0: Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyen, and I'm so excited for the conversation we're going to have on the Balanced Parent Podcast today. I have a guest. Her name is Ilana Beigel, and she's going to help us understand how we can embrace a more abundant mindset as parents. Ilana is a mom of three, a yoga teacher, a speech pathologist, and a mindful parenting coach, if that wasn't you know already enough. And she helps moms integrate mindfulness practices into their lives so that their patience, presence and connection nourish deep and meaningful relationships, rich and effective communication and ultimately more peace, harmony, fulfillment in their hearts and homes. Alana, welcome to mm. The Balanced Parent. I'm so happy to have you here. Will you tell us a little bit more about what you do and who you are and all of the awesome things that you do?
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have connected with you and found you and be in your orbit and be in this this inquiry together um, oh, along with so many others.
0: Oh, same. I feel so deeply aligned with what you're doing and that you hold for parents and the support that you offer them. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about how what you do.
1: So I do lots of things, right? I have an abundance of things that I do, but I am a mom, I'm also a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a cousin, I'm a friend, all these roles, right? And I work as a mindful parenting coach, which is really my purpose, my passion. Took me many, many years to sort of figure out, quote, what I wanna do when I grow up, which is a whole conversation and something that I, you know, that question haunted me. (laughs) <laughs> for years and years and years, which is probably why it's something that I'm really passionate about, not asking my children. So I do my entrepreneurial venture, my passion of the mindful parenting work. And I also work as a speech pathologist in a rehab hospital with people who've had stroke or strokes or brain injury or some sort of neurological condition. And you know that work is often people whose lives have just like, boom, been turned upside down. It's adult. So it's, you know, 18 and up, no matter what age I've found people have something happen, whether they're, you know, 20, and it's a tragic car accident, or they're, 99 and have lived a full and long life. And now they're declining. Being able to be part of someone's experience of living life, whatever it is that's showing up for them and helping them navigate it and still see the joy and the wonder and the amazingness through all the the misery, a lot of Mm -hmm. times, literally through the suffering. I just love connecting with people and being in this inquiry of living the joy and the terror in the hospital, a lot of times it looks like helping parents navigate their lives. And I love what you say, Laura, Uh, it's in your podcast intro, maybe of having a parenthood, we don't need to escape from and offering our kids a childhood they won't need to recover from. I love that. And knowing that obviously, like that's our hope, right? Kids, our kids won't have to recover, but also giving them and equipping them with the knowledge and the tools that healing, growing, learning, evolving is available at any time. Right? So yeah. it's not about being perfect or like getting it right, because that is way too much pressure on us as parents, because it's not possible.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, I've been thinking a little bit about changing that intro and playing with it a little bit in my writing right now, because I do feel the need to help parents release the idea that they can parent perfectly so that their kids have no work to do, right? Because all people have work to do that's part of being human. I mean, and that's part of what mindfulness teaches, right? So we're mindful in the moment, recognizing that just like, you know, this is the common humanity principle of self-compassion based mindfulness, that that just like everybody else, we suffer, that suffering is a part of the human experience. There's nothing that we can really do to prevent that from happening for our kids. But we can certainly do our best to clearly communicate how we feel about them and not do any more damage than our unconscious moves might cause, you know?
1: Yes, totally. So I, I mean, that, that intention that, you know, stepping into that, that intention is so powerful. And with like you said, with that underpinning that sort of like blanket foundation of and it's not going to be perfect. I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can. I'm perfect right now and there's always a new perfection to evolve into.
0: And it can't be and nor should it be because, you know, if we are frantically attempting to be perfect with our kids, we're not being authentically ourselves because humans by definition are imperfect beings and Kids need to see imperfections. They need to experience mistakes and ruptures and repair. Like that's how resilience is built is through struggles that are, that we can handle, not too big, but certainly little stressors are good for kids. You know, yeah. repair, rupture, it all builds resilience. And so we're talking a lot about mindset right now, and a lot of respectful, conscious, mindful parenting is about mindset. It's not so much about what you say and do, about the mind state you are in as you say it, as you choose your words, as you are interacting and communicating with your kids. Okay, so yes, we've heard of an abundance mindset. We've learned about it in business settings or in discussing financial health or wealth. I'm hoping we can talk about how the abundance mindset can be applied much more broadly too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Abundance can be talking about wealth and money, But that is just one tiny piece of what abundance looks like of stepping into abundance of feeling abundant in your life. Because we know there's so many people who have very little Mm -hmm. material possessions or money or stuff and feel like the richest people in the world and vice versa. There's tons of people out there who have everything and they're miserable. So it is not a correlation or a causation, like really just two separate things.
0: Yeah. So tell us what is having an abundance mindset in the way you live your life or specifically in parenting?
1: I think having an abundance mindset is being open of not getting stuck in any idea or fear or stage. If you haven't yet learned in parenting, one of the main things I've learned is that like as soon as something feels good or feels right or feels bad, it's going to change. Right? Like Mm -hmm. change is the only constant. So not getting stuck, of being open to infinite possibilities, of just this idea and notion that anything is possible.
0: Yeah, anything is possible. Let me take
1: that back. It's not necessarily anything is possible, but there are infinite possibilities.
0: Yeah, I really like that restatement too. That there are infinite possibilities. Tell me a little bit about the relationship between scarcity and abundance.
1: I would say they're like just opposites. Like boom, one is the opposite of the other. So when you're in this scarcity of like, oh, there's never going to be enough. There's not enough time. I don't have enough patience i don't have enough money my kid doesn't have enough college or don't have enough time learning this or mastering this and this kid knows this or this family has that or they went to this vacation or they go to this school like not enough not enough is scarcity mm-hmm. which is just the complete opposite and what i think is really interesting is to and this comes from yoga philosophy as well as dripping it down and just mindfulness in general of like what is real and true or the scarcity mindset is also really, really tied in i found to anxiety i don 't know which one comes first, or if you can really separate the two, but when that scarcity mindset, when that anxiety comes up of being able to step back and look, well, what is real and true, like do I actually have the resources I need, and if so, okay, put that scarcity aside, and how can I step into seeing it and knowing it and feeling that abundance. And if not, if you look look at it and you're like, oh, I actually don't have the support, the time, the resources, whatever it is like, okay, well then what can I actually do about it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So instead of getting in this rabbit hole in this spiral in your head, which just can take you nowhere good, it's like, okay, do I need to do something about this? Or do I need to step into seeing what is actually real and true, and that I have everything I need right now.
0: And then the practical piece of if I don't, then what are the steps I can do to meet my needs, right? I think that this is something that is highlighting a piece that I think that abundance mindsets can often be misunderstood in as falling in kind of like the toxic positivity camp, where we are supposed to think like, everything's fine, everything's gonna be wonderful, like not see, our suffering, not see our pain, not see our struggles. And that's not what abundance is at all to me, that, you know, there's being stuck down in our lack, you know, so when I think of scarcity, I think of the word lack, um, you know, lack of time, lack of patience, lack of energy. Abundance is taking a look at, you know, I have this all within me. Yes, things are hard right now. And at the same time, I have resources at my disposal. There are options for me available here.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. And it makes me think of a couple things, which one is we're not talking like woo-woo, law, attraction, vision boards, although sure that can be part of it, but that's just part of it, right? It's not. And there's this saying that hope is not a strategy, right? You don't hope for dinner, you make dinner. And there's such a place for hope right? It's it's just a piece of the puzzle. One of the definitions of yoga that I love is that yoga is a practice of discernment. So it's this discerning right back, do I have what I need? Or is there something actionable I have to do? But also discerning, like, okay, is my mindset helping me or getting in the way? Mm-hmm. And not just going into, like, oh, I just need to change my mindset and everything's gonna fall into place. Because, no, that's not it either.
0: Yeah, this is not a thing that we use to discount other people's suffering either. You know, there are real struggles in this world. And I think sometimes the kind of the you know, only good vibes kind of toxic positivity movement does discount some of the very real challenges that parents face regularly, and are facing in abundance right now, you know. And so I think you did a really nice job of it kind of giving examples about how like what scarcity sounds like in your mindset with parents. We've all had thoughts like this, like, I don't have the energy for this. I can't handle this. She's never going to learn how to do this. It's really easy for me to come up with examples of scarcity that we say, like, in our self-talk with ourselves, that we say out loud to our kids. But I think it's a little harder to come up with, like, okay, so what does an abundance mindset sound like when you're engaged in that self-talk? Do you have examples for us?
1: first comes to mind is that before we talking about examples of how we can do this with our kids, we have to first buy into it and live into it in ourselves.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. This is I totally meaning like, what does it sound like in our minds as we are talking to ourselves? It's so easy, I think, to come up with the scarcity. We're so used to being in scarcity as parents, Mm -hmm. as mothers, you know, there's no one here to help me. I have to do it all myself. You know, there's not enough time. I'm never going to sleep again, whatever it is. You know, it's so easy for me to come up with what scarcity sounds like and I want to give people what does it sound like in your mind when you're in abundance.
1: There's something that comes to mind first and foremost, because you've said it a few times, and it's, it was a really powerful shift for me, and I've seen it be a really powerful shift for a lot of families I work with, is the idea of time and the concept of Einsteinian time versus Newtonian time. <laughs> Einstein and the theory of relativity, right? So it's this idea with time of that an hour with a loved one can feel like a minute, whereas a minute of your hand pressed on a hot stove will feel like a lifetime, right? So it's like, right, time time is such a thing, especially for parents, especially for parents of young kids, especially Mm. for parents now when we're living in this crazy, wild, wacky time of like everything's just been turned upside down.
0: There's a quote that I think perfectly captures that experience for parents, that the days are long, but the years are short, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I love that one. That's definitely been one that's been on my mind for my oldest is almost 18. So Mm -hmm. for 18 years, but in this idea of Einsteinian versus Newtonian time, it's the concept that you are where time comes from. You are the source of time. And this concept is from a book called The Big Leap, which is a really, really interesting read. The author is a parent and talks a lot about his parenting in it. And I think, I think a lot of times in some of this, sort of back to what you were saying about this toxic positivity and stuff, like, and even in this, all this philosophy stuff that I've studied, it's like, okay, well, this was Thousands of years ago, when this was for 13-year-old boys who were monks and renouncing the world, how do all these concepts translate to 2021 householders living in the real world needing to raise a family and work and send your kids to college and buy groceries and you know, all the things starting with time. It's this idea that you are the source of time. Like if you think about it, I love to give this example. If, if you're working right and you now especially this makes so much more sense your kids home, you're on your computer doing your work and your kid comes in and says, Hey, mom, will you play with me? How many times might you say I don't have time right now? Is, mm-hmm. is that something that you've ever hear about you do all this all your work about play? Like, is that something that parents of course,
0: and immediately they are racked with guilt when they say it, and at the same time they have to because it's a lot yes, right now.
1: It's- and so let's rewind that. Still, you're doing your work. Your kid comes in. They've decided to like cut themselves a snack and be resourceful and take out the chef's knife and slice their apple, and they slice their finger open and it's bleeding. And they come into you, mom. I cut my finger. Help. Are you going to say, oh, that's great, honey? Sorry, I don't have time right now. Of course not. Right? It's not time. That's the issue. I mean, it is and it isn't, but it's these little subtle shifts of saying I don't have time puts you in the seat of victim of time, of seat of victim of your life. So stepping into ownership of saying what you really mean, which is I really want to play with you right now and I'm going to finish this and I'll play with you at X time, which I know is something that you know, I've seen in your work. You're already doing that, like sort of a, another maybe added layer of what that offers, which is this taking ownership of being the source of time.
0: I love this. Taking ownership of being the source of time. Yes. I think when we first started talking about this, so many parents listening were probably thinking, like, but yeah, that also <laughs> virtual school has to happen, work has to happen, dinner has to get made, you know, they we do feel like we are the victims of time. And so I really like this reframe that time is not the problem, it's the way we relate to time and we have to take ownership of time, right?
1: Yes, and and it's always yes, and because there are boots on the ground, like real (laughs) things that are real and true. There is X number of hours in a day, there is X number of hours before Mm. I have to make this work call or do this meeting again, so not to like bypass or this toxic positivity. Right, that's the balance,
0: right? So toxic positivity is a completely unbalanced look at the realities of mm-hmm. life. You're advocating absolutely for a realistic, balanced approach to this, recognizing that there are constraints and barriers, and at the same time, we get to choose how we respond to them, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, I love this. I wasn't expecting to get to talk about time in this philosophical sense, but that was really fun. Yeah. Okay. That was really helpful to see how an abundance mindset around time can act in, like, be acted out in practice with our kids. That moment of, yes, honey, I want to play with you. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have a lot of time to play. And right now I have to finish this email. In five minutes, I'll be ready to play with you. You know, it's like, that's what it looks like versus I don't have time to play with you. That's scarcity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even just noticing, like, As you go through your day, how many times do you think, like, does the thoughts go through your head of, I don't have time? Or, you know, just it's interesting to notice. Mm -hmm. How many times and how much you're putting yourself in a scarcity mindset, whether you're saying it out loud or not.
0: Not just time, right? So we're talking about like, it can be anything. Like, I don't have energy for that, or I can't do that. I, you know, I don't have the ability to do that. I'm just not a patient person. You know, all of these limiting beliefs that are rooted in scarcity. So when we think about changing our mindset from scarcity to abundance, the first step, of course, is always noticing, right? Yep. That's the first step. Starts in with any, awareness. Right. Awareness is the very first step of any change process. So it's just awareness. I, you know, when I was making some very concerted changes to moving towards abundance, I kept a journal where I wrote my common scarcity phrases that I would say to myself down. Do you have other things that you suggest parents do as they're like Looking to move into a more abundance mindset as they're in the phase of noticing or you know maybe they've been noticing for a while and now they're ready to make some shifts like what do we do
1: I found that just affirmations or mantras are so incredibly powerful noticing what you what are you telling yourself that you're like oh i this isn't how i want to be talking to myself or showing up what can you replace that with
0: i think affirmations are so intimidating to parents to figure out like okay what do i say in my affirmations can we talk about that just for a Mm -hmm. second i don't know if you have a method for teaching parents how to write their own affirmations, but but I do. I would be curious to know if you do. You know, if we're two different people who help parents find affirmations for themselves, like we probably have different methods for getting the parents there. Yeah. Because I don't ever want people to be reliant on me for, to be the source. I want them to be the source of what they Mm -hmm. need in their parenting. I'm kind of assuming that you also want that for your parents.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: Okay, so how do parents go around about writing their affirmations?
1: sort of two-pronged approach. Some people are just like give it to me, tell me what is it, and that works really well for them. So there are some ones sort of out there that are people can just try on like you don't need to do it yourself like here it is, use this. So like a simple one is I am enough or mm-hmm. it is enough or I am okay. It can be just super super simple. I
0: always like to add just as I am.
1: One that I I use a lot and that a lot of people have offered it to have really powerful as well. And this comes from the work of a woman called um, Ra Goddess, R-H-A Goddess, mm-hmm. which is just the best name. I'm a conscious creator and I have the ability to create the life I most desire. I find myself like as sometimes when I'm at my job or, you know, doing something where I get and I just notice ugh, just that feeling of just heaviness and like, I don't want to be doing this or whatever it might be. I just say that in my head and it's just this immediate like, oh, right. I'm in charge here. I'm driving the bus. I am a conscious creator. I have the ability to create the life I most desire. And it's just this immediate like, wah, openness. Yeah. I Um, think that
0: that's a good, you just mentioned something to that. Like you can, as you're looking for affirmations you want ones that make you feel open that are heart opening Mm -hmm. so like if what you read one you know if you're looking you know like maybe you pinterested you searched on pinterest for affirmations and you read some and they make you contract those aren't your affirmations you know like they kind of like almost like hurt to say those aren't yours you've got to find other ones and this is one of the reasons why i like helping parents write their own because then they find the ones naturally are opening. One thing that I find is helpful for parents, especially as they're just starting out with affirmations, that lots of the big ones, you know, like the popular ones, the kind of like reach for the star ones don't feel real or realistic. And so sometimes folks need to start a little closer to home, a little closer to where they are. I'm figuring this out is a great one, uh, can be really lovely kind of middle of the road yeah. ones.
1: It's just making me think of wh- what I love to do for affirmations is to ask people to, and I often do this like in my yoga classes as well, of like, how do you want to feel if you've ever taken mm-hmm. a yoga class? That's often the start of a class is an intention, right? Whether it's peace or pins or calm or strength. So in the affirmation work, it's like, okay, think about how do you want to feel? What is it that you are into what quality are you hoping to cultivate in your life, in your day, in your parenting? And then the affirmation is simply like, I am that, right? Like you say it as if it were already true.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So just like,
1: I am peace. Yeah. I am calm, whatever quality is at the forefront.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it can also be helpful to, just to riff off that a little bit To If you know you wanna respond a certain way to your child, for example, like when they're having a meltdown, and right now you are thinking things like, they're too old for this, they shouldn't be doing this. This is, you know, why does everything have to be so hard? You know, you're having those thoughts. And as a result, you are impatient with them. You're not as empathetic or compassionate with them. You maybe yell at them or wanna send them to their room. In that moment, when they're having the meltdown, how do you want to be able to respond? You want to be able to respond with compassion. You want to hold space for them. What thought do you need to be thinking about the scenario in order to be able to be compassionate, right? And so that kind of walking backwards from how you want to feel, how you want to show up and then, okay, what thought do I need to be able to show up that way can be really helpful. So like the thought in that moment would be like that, you know, she's not doing this on purpose, It's because she's five. She's not giving me a hard time. She's having a hard time. Those thoughts, you know, lend you to more compassion and allow you to be more compassionate. So walking backwards, I think in that way is can be helpful, too, when we're talking about how do we come up with the things to say to ourselves, you know?
1: And I think like one definition, perhaps, or one way of embodying and really embracing and living into abundance is this idea of living in alignment, of aligning your thoughts, your feelings, your words, and your actions right? Which is exactly Mm -hmm. what what you were just talking about. So when you're doing that, when all of that is all together, like when you think and feel and say and do the things that all are how you want to be showing up, like you will feel abundant, you will feel that openness and that expansiveness and that connection with life and with your children and with anyone you're in relationship with, really. I love that way of breaking it down and, and walking it backwards. And I also think in terms of affirmations, like helping people connect with what are your limiting beliefs, right? And that's a, another powerful way i found of, of writing your own affirmation and retraining your brain to be more of an abundant mindset and and get not get stuck in your limitations is like to, see, to start, like you said, start with awareness. What is it, right? So really putting it out there. Like my limiting belief is I'm not patient enough. And then step two is like realizing that's not a truth. That's just a belief. And then the third step is try on a different belief. Just flip it. Right, so that's a really good way for people to come up with their own is to see what's getting in my way. Okay, no, that's not true. What could be true? And I don't know if you like sort of similar to the work of Byron Katie. That whole concept.
0: Yeah, Byron Katie has her processes called the work, and she has a great book called Loving What Is. And there's four steps in it. Is that true? Is it really true? Let's see. What else could be true? All right, yeah. Or I think it's like something like, when I believe this, how does it impact me? You know, and or how, like, how does it change the result? And then who would I be without that thought? Mm. um, I think are her four steps in the work. Um, She's got a great podcast called The Work too. If people are looking for more podcasts to listen to, ultimately, like it's all the same thing that what we're talking about here. You know, it's all different. approaches to the same thing of noticing our thoughts, noticing our beliefs, questioning them with curiosity and without judgment, um, and then considering alternatives. And one of the ways that I like to consider alternatives, to a lot of the parents that I work with are working on cultivating a wise, compassionate inner parent. And so... That wise, compassionate inner part of you usually has good responses to these things. So like if you, your thought is I'm just not a patient mom, you can check in with, okay, so what would the wisest, most compassionate part of myself say to that? Mm -hmm. And usually, even if the person themselves isn't able to say something wise and compassionate back to this thought of I'm not a good mom, or I'm not a patient mom, usually they can find that wise part who does have something to say about that, you know, who is able to say, you know, that you are just the mom that your kids need. And that, you know, that patience is something that you're working on. And every day you get better. You know, usually we can find some that compassionate part, even if we can't fully embody them ourselves yet when it comes to, I don't know, talking to ourselves. That can be hard.
1: Yeah, and it it reminds me, you know, back a little bit to the abundance thing, a quote by Wayne Dyer, who's an author, a self-help guru, or whatever you want to call him. But he says, abundance is not something we acquire, it's something we tune into. So what are you tuning into? And I don't know if you've seen this research. We have up to like 60,000 thoughts a day, Mm -hmm. and 80% of them are negative, and 95% of them are the same ones we had yesterday.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It's fascinating. So it's like, you are in charge of where you put your focus and where you put your energy and what you find, right? Like, if you want to find more examples and reasons why you're not a patient, or a good enough mom, you can find that. And if you want to find all the reasons and examples and ways of which you are, you can also find that too.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, like negativity bias and the way that our brains, our brains are beautiful things, right? So our brains are efficient. These 60,000 thoughts a day are mostly unconscious thoughts, right? We're only aware of about 2000 thoughts a day. And so all these other thoughts are kind of primarily negative and running in the background and influencing the way we view our world, right? So just as a general example, you know, when we were looking for a car a few years ago, we were buying our first minivan, which was life changing and so exciting, because automatic doors. (laughs) Who knew that would be my life? (laughs) But we were deciding between Toyota one and the Honda Odyssey one, you know, and all of a sudden I couldn't drive anywhere without seeing those two minivans. They were everywhere. Mm -hmm. I would never have noticed them before, but once I started looking for them, there they were, right? And this is the same thing in our homes, in our lives as parents, is Mm as soon as we start looking for something, We see it. We find it. If we're looking for negative interactions with our partner, if we're looking for the siblings, you know, the kids never picking up their toys, if we're looking for moments of jealousy between our kids, that's what we'll find. And we filter out our beautiful, efficient brains filter out the stuff that we're not looking for. They filter out that moment of generosity that we noticed, we saw, but we didn't attend to because we were looking for jealousy.
1: Oh, 100% totally, yeah. totally agree. And it makes me think of this Oprah quote. <laughs> he says, if you look at what you have in life, you'll always have more. If you look at what you don't have in life, you'll never have enough. She
0: oh, says, my gosh, that's like the core yeah. of abundance, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> Okay. So I've taken up a lot of your time, but I just want to ask one more little question because I see, so we've talked a lot about abundance in parenting in our own mindset, but I see scarcity and abundance come up in my kids a lot. As an example, we've worked really hard to develop an abundance mindset with food. And so when it comes to food with my kids, they notice when a scarcity thought is creeping in. I mean, we haven't been over it with them, but they notice and they will say things like, you know I feel a little bit worried that I didn't get enough chocolate to eat today but I know there's always chocolate and if we want more we can have more tomorrow. You know, Mm. I hear them talking about it in an abundant way. You know, Mm -hmm. there's always more, there's always more ice cream at the store. If we run out right now, you know, if we, Evie and I finish the last of it right now, you can always go and get more, you know, versus the scarcity of like, you know, we're almost out. I'm only going to have a little bit because I want to save it for later. You know, like that comes, food is just the, the example that's present in my mind. But I'm curious if we are noticing some scarcity in our kids, we're noticing You know, scarcity in the way that they're sharing their toys, if we're noticing scarcity in the way that they are approaching things like screen time, how can we bring abundance to those things?
1: I think back to what we were saying in ourselves, I think, starting with the awareness, like helping them just see, first of all, that that's how they're feeling. And then like, is it real and true? Sometimes it is like, you know, especially if you're setting a limit or a boundary, this is only how much chocolate you can have, or this is how much time you can have.
0: You were saying something about that they really they have control over themselves, but they really don't have a lot of control over their lives. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think with our kids, it starts with them noticing that they're feeling that way. And I think it's natural and normal that they do feel because in a lot of ways, yes, they have control and agency over their lives and their experience and th- what they, ha- they can do and their body. And as children, they are in a place of being sort of at the mercy of what we will buy them, what we will allow them to do, what boundaries we're setting for them. Helping them see that there's freedom within the boundaries can be a really powerful shift. Like if you say to your kid, oh, don't step in the street, what are they going to do? Step in the street. If you say, oh, you can walk on the sidewalk or the grass or the park over here, that's where their energy or their attention is going to go. So helping them sort of see that freedom and all that is there instead of, no, you can't do this. No, you can't have that. You can have this. You can do this.
0: You know, so that's, like, standard parenting advice now. Tell a kid what they can do instead of what they can't do. And I had never situated that in a scarcity versus an abundance mindset. Beautifully stated. Thank you for helping me see that connection there. And I think, too, like, there's room for abundance when we are helping a kid work through a boundary or a limit that we have they don't like too. like the i mean and this is this comes up in parenting wisdom too like the you know that we can give a child in fantasy what they can't have in reality so you know if they want you know to have more screen time and we've noticed that they do better with less being able to say with sit with them i know you wish you could play all day. You know that you would play all these games. What games would you play? You know, how like how many hours do you think you'd play? You'd play all day long and you'd play meet with your friends online and I'd sit next to you all day long and we'd play. You know, you can give some of that in fantasy and then talk about when they're going to get a chance to play next. We're going to play at this time, you know, and then what are we going to do? You know, and focusing on what they do get to do and when they get to do it, making a plan for when they get to do it can all be helpful. Not as a way to tell them not to have their feelings. Of course, they're allowed to be disappointed or frustrated, but as a way to frame it when maybe they are ready for it. And that's hard to know, I think, sometimes for for kids to know when they're ready to receive the the shift the mindset shift you know
1: and I think just giving kids the opportunity to do less less is more so giving them the the opportunities to to have literal silence to be out in nature to look up at the sky or the stars or watch all the snowflakes coming down and just being like the wonder and I know you just put a post about this recently as well but really just those moments of wonder and curiosity and just like wow how amazing is this and just expanding their view, their horizon, their awareness from things. Yes. All that there isn't all that they don't have, but even all that they do have, like it's not about you have this toy, this book, this, whatever, just like nature, this connection with nature is a really powerful way to instill a, sense of abundance and wonder and curiosity.
0: Yes, I so agree. Well, Alana, thank you so much for coming and talking about this with me. I feel like we talked about, you know, we were going to talk about abundance and we talked about so much and you really helped me broaden my understanding of abundance mindset. So I really appreciate that so much. And I'm sure our listeners do too. I'm guessing that they are going to be very curious about where they can find you and learn more from you. So where are you these days? Where can they find you and connect with you?
1: Yeah, these days I am kind of hanging out on Instagram in terms of the social stuff because that's where I feel abundant and it feels mm-hmm. like, ooh, I like this. This is a fun platform to be on um, <laughs> as opposed to some others that feel like, ugh, suck in my life. So on Instagram, just it's just my name, Alana Beigel. And my website is alanab.com. I teach yoga classes. I do one-on-one coaching. I have a group program that I'm gonna be holding again this spring. And I have, in terms of communication and an abundance and be, finding a way to to be able to open that conversation with your kids about school and what they're learning, I have a, we didn't even get to talk about it, but this really amazing method that I call the lollipop technique. And um, if you want to get that, it's you can get that on my website, alanabee.com backslash lollipop. And that will open up your communication with your kids about what they're learning in school in a really fun and amazing
0: way. Oh my so gosh. I think that that, that will be so helpful because I think everybody wants to be able to have kind of abundant, open conversations with their kids about school. And most of the time we get nothing. It was fine. It was exactly. okay. you know, like we get yep. nothing. <laughs> so yeah. Just okay. Yep. Yeah. And so that's all going to be in the show notes for our listeners. Thank you so much for being here. I was so excited to get to talk about this with you. I really appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Thank you. So fun.
0: Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast and if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan, PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced, conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus, I share a lot of other really great resources there too.